With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings from Fort Myers, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host. We are here in camp for the second straight day, the official start of spring training today with Heim Bloom and Alex Cora talking to the media. Pitchers and catchers are coming to camp. A few position players are trickling in. So uh, for the first time in a few years, a, a regular, normal spring training camp for the Red Sox. Lots of storylines, not lots of new players, and we're going to kind of preview it all here with Chris Smith, my partner at Mass Live. This is the first Fenway rundown from a, well, it's actually the second Fenway rundown from an Airbnb in Fort Myers because we just recorded half of this and uh, the recorder was not running, which is completely user error. That's on me, not on Chris Smith at all, but Chris Smith's going to, you know, give you the takes he just did for the second time, you know, hopefully with a little more, uh, you know, enthusiasm. enthusiasm, flavor, the whole deal. Um, you know, that, that, that's always, that addition is always going to be in the vault. So we'll try it again here, but we are here. The mass live team, uh, in Fort Myers for Red Sox spring training arrived here Sunday, right before the super bowl, been at the facility for the last two days. Uh, today, Tuesday was the first day of formal availabilities. Heim Bloom talked to the media, Alex Cora addressed the media, um, some things to get to there. We'll talk about some rapid fire topics from today and, and kind of set the scene as spring training begins, but we'll start with. Uh, a question I asked you 10 minutes ago that you're now going to ask, actually answer on the record, Chris. Your big takeaway uh, from kind of the first couple of days of camp here in Fort Myers. Yeah, I think it's the roster turnover, uh, definitely. I mean, there's faces that I have not seen. I have asked media relations people, who is that? Um, is that, you know, is, is that this player? Um, you know, different things like that. It's, it's funny when you come to camp or when I've – you know, I've covered several spring trainings now since 2016, and you know you always know you always recognize about 99% of the players. Well, that's not the case this year. There's a lot of you know new guys, and um, there's 16 guys that are new on the 40-man um, roster overall. Ten of them are guys they got in trades and in free agency, and six of them are you know prospects that they added you know to protect them from the Rule 5 draft or from getting to minor league free agency. So, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, a, a different feel. Um, you know, uh, guys that, like, you know, um, new leadership in, in a way. Um, we'll see how that turns out um, because your leaders are gone or your leader is gone in Xander Bogarts. And some of the guys that, you know, were important in that clubhouse last year, like Rich Hill and Nathan Avaldi and – and so, you know, there's going to be new guys that have to step up. And, you know, I, I think that and just, you know, Alex and, and you know, Alex Corrin, Heim Bloom today answering some questions about, like, the projected standings and how the Red Sox are projected to finish last. 
and they acknowledged that. They said they didn't perform well last year, and, you know, stacking up the teams in the AL East, you know, this does feel like a last-place team, and, you know, one thing that Johnny Miller asked, uh, you know, Heim today was, you know, if his job was in jeopardy this year, if he didn't perform well, and uh, if the team didn't perform well, and, you know, two of three years, he's been in last place. The other year, they went to the ALCS. Um, so if the projected standings are is what they you know end up being here, they they end up being a last place team. That's three or four years, and so there's a lot of pressure I think on Heim Bloom this year, even though he probably will not admit it. Yeah, and that was uh, kind of the first question today. There was a lot of things. We'll try to get to all of them, but I do think the turnover is a huge story here. You know, not just the quantity. Red Sox official yesterday said uh, 32 of the 62 players in camp have never been on the major league in major league camp with the Red Sox before. Uh, for those of you doing the quick math at home, that's over half. There are 20 guys out of those 62 that are new to the Red Sox organization since the end of the season. You know, you know some of the notable ones, whether it be Yoshida or Duvall or Justin Turner, Kluber, Kenley Jansen, all those guys. There's also you know a bunch of non-roster invitees, Jorge Alfaro. Rymel Tapia, some of those guys. So, you know, a lot of new blood there. And then, you know, if you just look at it, there's a lot of guys who, even if they were there before, you know, the offseason, they're relative newcomers, whether it be Tristan Casas or Reese McGuire. Connor Wong doesn't have too much time in the majors. You go around the diamond and there's not a lot of, you know, really long-tenured Red Sox, which kind of creates that leadership void that, um, you know, we've been talking about the last couple days. So I think we'll start there, you know, really in terms of, you know, the the void that uh, you mentioned, Xander Bogarts, Rich Hill, Nate Evaldi, all those types of guys gone. Um, Kike Hernandez with some pretty interesting comments uh, last week or the week before on Chris Rose's podcast talking about how he thought it should be a priority for the Red Sox to change up their clubhouse mix heading into this season. And, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but, you know, the clubhouse culture should be something that they focus on. Um, to me, that quote read like there was something wrong in 2022. He kind of doubled down on that yesterday by saying it was a team that was too comfortable being in last place, maybe too complacent being in last place. That's a notion that Alex Cora disagreed with today. Heim Bloom said he definitely wasn't in that boat and didn't think most guys were in September. Um, but kind of interesting that Kike's come out and said this kind of at a time when he's, you know, assuming uh, not necessarily the face of the franchise role, because I think that is Rafael Devers' job at the end of the day. He's the best player, the highest paid player, but Kike is becoming a real, you know, vocal leader and, and, and peace in there. Um, what do you make of kind of the comments and, and this storyline that's emerged in the last week or so? Yeah, I think it was, you know, really interesting. And when, you know, I, I first heard the comments when I was listening to the Chris Rose thing, um, the, the first thing I thought of was a tweet that one of the Red Sox reporters, actually I'm looking up now to see, who it was, but um, <clears throat> one of the Red Sox reporters last uh, year, after the last game of the season, you know, I think it was Sean McAdam, um, you know, mentioned how, you know, the players were sitting there in the clubhouse after their final game, drinking beer, kind of reminiscing, you know, talking to each other. It's not like they were in any urgency to leave. And so I think that, you know, they were a last place team last year. They weren't good, but I don't think the chemistry or anything like that was a, it was an issue. Uh, if anything, they liked each other, you know, too much. You know, we saw with the Kevin Ploiecki stuff, you know, when he got designated for assignment, the, the team went crazy. And and I'll add the Christian Vasquez stuff in Houston when he got dealt. Yeah, and, you know, the the team was, you know, blaring Kevin Ploiecki's song, you know, on the uh, his walk-up song and the song that he had used that, 
you know, with the team in the postseason in 2021, um, after every win that they got, you know, it, after he was uh, DFA in 2000, what is it, the final month of last season. So, um, you know, so I don't think there was, but, you know, uh, Kike talked about complacency, like in being in last place and they got okay with that. You know, that's different, obviously, from, you know, tension in the clubhouse and not getting along, which, as I said, I don't think that was the case. Um, were they complacent in the clubhouse? Well, Alex Corr, you know, said they weren't complacent. Um, I can, you know, I'm sure that, you know, uh, Rafael Devers is going to be asked that question when he, you know, and I'm sure he probably was not complacent, you know, uh, with that. So um, I think that Alex Corr actually mentioned Devers today. Mm-hmm. That. So, uh, you know, it should be interesting to see how some of the other guys that were there from last year comment on that. Um you know, it's it's tough to get a read though, like of like really what he kind of meant by that. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the whole you know clubhouse trouble retroactive look. We should have been doing this or this or this. It to me, and and I I don't think he meant it this way because I I don't think that anybody would you know go out of your way to blast you know former teammates and and then you know kind of put on blast the culture that a manager that you're super close with has, has developed and curated in the clubhouse. But that reads as like, you know, the clubhouse mix, we needed to shake things up, you know, hard to look at that and not think it's something of a shot at Xander Bogarts, JD Martinez, Nate Evaldi, Rich Hill, the guys who were there, you know, in, in the case of, you know, Xander and, and Evaldi and, um, Martinez there for a while like you know I, I'm not trying to you know do this media narrative of oh there was tension there was tension and you know they're they're creating tension now but just to me like it's kind of a weird thing to to say if it's if it's true and he thinks it's true then appreciate the candor there um, I, I kind of interpret it more as you know he is happy that Justin Turner's there because it's his friend, you know, and he's happy that he gets to kind of mold the clubhouse and his image instead of guys that were there, you know, five years before. Like, I, I don't know if I'm misreading that or not, but it just, it's hard to look at it and say, oh, that you can, you know, look at that and, and, you know, the guys who were on the team last year and have departed, I can't imagine they're thrilled about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's probably, they're probably scratching their heads, some of them. And I have no idea if they've even seen the comments, but, you know, like a Rich Hill or, you know, Xander Bogarts or Nathan Avaldi, who is, you know, leader on this team for, for several years. Um, it is interesting, though, like, you know, he, he has talked about how he wants Justin Turner, uh, Kike Hernandez has talked about he, how he wants Justin Turner to come into the clubhouse and be himself and be a leader, even though this is his first year with the team. And, you know, sometimes that might be awkward for a player to become a leader uh, in their first year with the team, but you know that's kind of what he did in, in with the Dodgers, and that's something that you know Alex Gore mentioned today. He feels like you know he was asked about the void with JD Martinez. You know JD was the type of guy that would you know talk hitting with everybody, try to help out their swings and stuff, and and uh, you know look at look at anything and try to help teammates. And you know obviously he was a very vocal guy in that clubhouse and had fun and stuff like that, and so. Um, you know, Alex was asked about the void and he said, you know, JD's gone, but JT, Justin Turner, uh, you know, it feels like him coming in now is like when, when, uh, JD came in, in, in 2018. And so obviously, you know, rosters go through turnover. I mean, we saw the, the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl and, you know, that's a totally different roster than they had at the Super Bowl, uh, you know, when they play the Patriots. 
Um, we saw the roster turnover from 2012 to 2013, where a lot of the new guys, you know, came in like, you know, Johnny Gomes and, you know, Mike Napoli and Ryan Dempster and, you know, Shane Victorino, and they changed the clubhouse. They were leaders uh, in their first years. So, you know, I'm not saying that a, a change in leadership was is a bad is was it was needed, but it's not always a bad thing because you know I mean, you know things have to change at times, and so we are you know seeing a different mix, and we're going to definitely see new leaders. And one of those guys, they'll probably be a leader if he if he um, you know pitchers usually don't emerge as leaders like starting pitchers. They pitch every fifth day and they hang out with the pitchers and yada yada yada. But, you know, we saw Chris Sale with his dugout, you know, motivational speech in game. I think it was five of the World Series in 2018. He's a guy that's, you know, vocal, and he's somebody that has often, you know, been part of team meetings and stuff like that. And so if he can stay healthy and stay with the team and not be in Fort Myers rehabbing, um, which everything's smooth sailing right now. I mean, he's set to throw to the hitters next week. Uh, then he can be a leader of the team. So there's there's different guys that can take over, you know, as, you know, that leadership role. Turner, you know, Kike is obviously, you know, seems like he's becoming uh, a leader or that's what the Red Sox are making him out to be. Um, you got other guys like Chris Hillman, you know, Raphael Devers. I mean, you just signed an 11-year, what was it, $280 million? It was uh... – oh, yeah, I'll try again. At <laughs> three forty, yeah, he, was, he was on paternity leave, so he doesn't know the, the three thirteen five, whatever. Whatever. Oh yeah, three thirteen five. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, you know, he just signed that deal, and he's the he could be the face face of the franchise. I think that, you know, one thing that will help with Devers, you know, becoming a, the face of the franchise and becoming leaders, you know, if he starts doing his. Um, you know, interviews in English, and, and some of the, you know, fans get to see his real personality. Obviously, they have seen his personality, and I don't um, blame him if he doesn't want to do, um, even though he speaks very good English, I don't blame him if he doesn't want to do, uh, you know, interviews in, in English right now. If, if he doesn't feel comfortable, he doesn't feel comfortable, and, you know, they he doesn't want any of his message misinterpreted. Um, but I think that that will help, when he, you know, because I think he has the type of... Um, personality i don't think anybody has the type of personality that david ortiz had but um he has that type of personality that you know will the fans will really love i mean we've seen the stuff with you know the scoops and the ice cream and different things like that you're not the only ice cream man Catillo. and so um, no i'm just the, the poor one of the two of us clearly yes, exactly and so um i think with him uh once he starts speaking doing his uh interviews in english and you know certain things like that that can help uh, become the leader, but you know, I mean, it's not just dealing with the media. You know, like he—he's—I'm sure he—he he communicates well with all his teammates, and they probably look at him as a leader. Yeah, and you know, in terms of Devers, I think a lot of it is for his whole career. He's had guys that have been with the team his whole career, right? Like his second year in the big leagues was you know 18, and he had uh, Bogarts that was already there. Um, he never probably wanted to overstep him. Guys, you know, a lot of veterans on that team, whether it be, you know, as you mentioned, Sale or, or Martinez or uh, Mookie or Jackie Bradley. I mean, there's so many guys, Mitch Moreland, that um, were so much older, so much more experienced than Devers at that stage. So clubhouse dynamic, definitely a topic of discussion hot, that's hot right now, will continue to be um, throughout spring as this club kind of finds its identity for sure. 
We'll do some rapid fire on some other takeaways from today. Uh, we have about uh, 30 minutes of Heim Bloom and 25 minutes of Alex Cora. Um, looks like they're on the stand. Instead, they're on the bench at Fenway South. Uh, you're on the stand when you uh, get asked hard questions by Johnny Miller. We saw that today with Heim Bloom. It was, if, it was, if he's on the hot seat, which he said it's not really his worry, just wants the team to be better. With Alex Cora, it was about a book. Uh, that is sitting right in front of us right here on our table. Uh, Winning Fixes Everything by Evan Drellick, former Mass Live Red Sox writer, friend of the program. Um, Alex Cord today said he's not there to talk about a book. Obviously, anybody who's seen the excerpts, seen what came out of here, few different things about Cora, including that he bragged to Red Sox players that they stole the World Series in Houston in 2017. Um, you know, I think Alex kind of does the same thing. He answers every question about it with, I'm sorry. I did not, uh, you know, everybody knows how I feel. I screwed up. I paid the price. Now I'm back, and I'm here to focus on the Red Sox. I think it's a smart way to handle it. I don't think he's actually ever provided the specific explanation of what happened behind the scenes, but he has his job back. Generally, you know, all is forgiven by a large sect of baseball fans, and that was kind of the strategy he chose again today, Um, a story that I expect just will, as it has time and time again, uh, gone away and eventually resurface, as he said, maybe on a Netflix series someday and then go away again. It's a stain that's going to be there for his entire career. He knows that, um, but not something that I think is really affecting camp materially right now. Yeah, so I think with Alex, you know, the interesting thing is is that Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, he has been very open. Um, he was asked about it at Yankee Stadium when um, Ime from the – is that how you pronounce the, the coaches of the Celtics name? <laughs> Um, was was suspended for a year. Uh, somebody at the Yankee Stadium, I think a um, a New York Knicks writer came and asked him, you know, what advice he could give to, you know, to the Celtics coach. And so, um, you know, and he and he was very, you know, good. Like, you know, he spoke about how, you know, uh, the situation and everything. I think, you know, one thing to to think about with Cora, I'm not the the book didn't paint him in a very good light. You know, I mean, there were some some stuff, some stuff that we already knew about, some stuff that we learned about, and the whole, um, you know, fight that he had um, with the broadcaster and with A.J. Hinch, um, you know, we knew about that, but there was, you know, it, it was worse than what it was made out to be the, the previous time. So the, the first reporting by Drellick. So, but I also think, you know, you look at it this way. He was a player, and I'm not trying to defend him, but he was a player's whole career. That was his first job as a coach. You know, you can be, you know, he said six years ago, you can be immature. Uh, you can learn from it. I mean, the first journalism job I had, I wasn't very mature. And so, you know, you learn from things. And now? And now I'm still not mature, but I, I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but seriously, though, like, I'm I'm sure that, he is not making the same mistakes, uh, and you know, I mean, he he hasn't made the same mistakes about you know going after the media or whatever uh, that he that he did in uh, Houston. And so I think that you know you can change and you can learn from you know your bad moments of your life. And so um, 
you know, not not defending him, but um, you know, I think that's the way the Red Sox look at it too. Is is that they feel like he's the best manager for the team. Um, we saw what he did in 2018. His in-game managing, his his uh, rep- you know rapport with the players, his ability to connect with the Latin players and you know the English-speaking players so well as he did as a player. And um, you know, I think that they look at it as like you know he can learn for he learned from that, and he's you know he, he's you know he was able to grow from it. And now he's a you know a different person. Um, I don't know that exactly because I'm not in the clubhouse every day <laughs> and I'm not in the clubhouse after the media leaves. Um, but, you know, well, you know, I think that, um, you know, the whole thing is interesting. Um, Bloom was asked about it today and said, you know, he's our manager and stuff like that. And so the Red Sox have obviously defended him. And I think that Core has been pretty open about the situation, you know, since since he was suspended. Yeah. Again, not something I think that's going to affect them moving forward. Couple more things, takeaways from today. I think the biggest piece of news from Alex Cora was that, uh, in terms of lineup construction, question I asked did not get, you know, the full lineup for everybody against righties, against lefties for opening day. But he did say he wants to separate Yoshida and Rafael Devers. So Yoshida, I think, is going to be the leadoff man on most most days, especially against righties. Devers, uh, you are a big proponent of keeping your best hitter in the two hole. That is not going to be the case. It's not going to be Yoshida Devers. So it looks like. You know, Yoshida and then maybe Kike Hernandez batting second, maybe Justin Turner batting second, which I think is honestly, um, if not the more likely thing, then, then the better idea, and then Devers third and figure it out from there. How do you see this lineup coming together? I know, you know, there's kind of some platoons here and there, second base maybe, catcher, but, uh, you know, how would you uh, align it knowing now that they definitely don't want that lefty-lefty one-two punch to start? Well, as I as Cora mentioned to me last year, I asked him what he thought. Like last year, at the end of the year, I asked him what he thought about Aaron Judge leading off for the Yankees and you know being their best player and leading off. And he says that philosophies change over time and you know different views and that you know what there was this big trend about the best hitter being second in the lineup. Mike Trout was hitting second in the lineup. Yada 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 and. And, you know, Aaron Judge was sitting second in the lineup. All of a sudden, they put him first in the lineup. And so things do change. Um, You know, I do like the idea of not having back-to-back lefties uh, at the top of the lineup. So I would think that the best person to hit second, um, you know, would be Justin Turner just because of his, you know, ability to grind out at bats. He's a professional hitter. And, you know, um, I think that the Red Sox really – you know, uh, we saw it with Schwarber, you know, the ability to take his walks and to, to make pitchers work. And I think if you have those two guys at the beginning of the lineup, like Yoshida is incredible. Like last year in Japan, he had 40 more walks than strikeouts. And over seven seasons in Japan, he's had 120 more walks than strikeouts. And so, like, he's, a, uh, you know, obviously that's not going to translate to the majors exactly like that. But it does show the ability to grind out at bats. And I think in this offseason when I was off on paternity leave and reading things here and there, somebody did compare it to, like, the Schwarber, Mm -hmm. you know, who was that? Was that Bloom or? I don't remember. But anyway, somebody was like, you know, this is kind of like Schwarber coming in. And, and, you know, there are complete unknowns about him as a player. Um, Could his on-base percentage and ability to be that type of hitter fade off a little bit, you know, coming to the major leagues, definitely. But, you know... Um, I think that having those two guys at the top of the lineup would, would you know, 
be extremely good, you know, because of the ability to work counts and everything. And, and then, you know, I could see Devers, you know, hitting third and whoever fourth. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Turner's a candidate if he's not second. I think Duvall's a candidate there. Um, put Verdugo fourth in the lineup for the second half of last year for a lot, a lot of parts. So, you know, I mean, they could be numerous guys. Um, I'm trying to think who else, though. Like, who else could be a good candidate for fourth? Uh, Casas is probably a little lower, right? Yeah, I think that with Casas, you know, like they – you know, like, as I mentioned today, or I said to Bloom today, I was like, you know, I mean, yeah, what, you know, you guys must have been pretty confident when you traded, you know, in, in Casas, because you traded, you know, Hosmer. Um, there's really DFA no... DFA Jesus. <laughs> there's really no backup plan, you know, like at first base. I mean, Dahlback's still there, but, mm-hmm. you know, you could put Turner there. But really, I mean, they're counting on they're counting on Tristan, and so I think that they'll start him off uh, lower in the lineup to start the year to get him comfortable. And once he gets comfortable, if he does get comfortable and he's and he's producing, he could be the number two hitter in the lineup. Although he is lefty, lefty. Same so, problem. but I mean, you, you know, so yeah, so um, you know, or anywhere at the top of that lineup. So um, I think that you know that's interesting. Duvall's interesting where he's a home run guy. I mean, there's been three seasons where he's hit over 30 home runs, you know. And I know he had some injury things last year and didn't play much, yada yada yada. But uh, you know, it, there's definitely guys that could like be breakout candidates on this team that you know, like you don't see right now as the number four hitter on the team that could definitely emerge as that. Yeah, I agree. And we'll we'll end with this. You're talking a little about the first base mix and things like that. You look at it, and uh, Mondesi probably not ready for opening day. We know Trevor Story is going to be out for a while. Looks still to me like the Red Sox are one infielder short. You know, you're assuming Casas at first, Arroyo at second, Kike at short, Devers at third, Turner as a backup first base option. Feel like you know Turner they expect is going to against um, some lefties is going to play first. That makes Dahl, Dahlbeck a little redundant on the roster. You know, I think that they would be better off with a more versatile guy than Dahlbeck. To me, Jose Iglesias is a guy that makes a ton of sense, um, and, and Heimblum today did not rule out the addition of a major league uh, player. Seems like middle infield, you know, the best fit there. Is that the area if you were going to add, you'd, do, you'd add to that? Yeah, and I think it's important just because, you know, if you look at it, you know, even if Mondesi was ready for opening day, you know, Arroyo and Mondesi have had, you know, extremely big injury histories. You know, like uh, Arroyo is on the – IL like three or four times in 2021. Uh, Mondesi, as you've pointed out to me, has only played 358 games in seven seasons. And so, um, you know, and in, in beyond what they have with those guys, um, obviously they have Kike at shortstop and uh, Arroyo at second. And then beyond those three, with Mondesi included, they have nobody on the 40-man roster with actual major league experience. They have Valdez, who they got in the Christian you know, Christian Vasquez trade. They have uh, David Hamilton, who they just added to the 40-man roster in the offseason as a prospect. He was from the Hunter Renfro trade. Then they have, you know, um, Raffaella, who, you know, is, uh, you know, could be an elite defensive shortstop in elite defensive center fielder. However, you know, there's still improvements he needs to make offensively. And so before he's ready and he has not played in the majors, he has not played above double A. Um... So, you know, I mean, you, you look at it and there's just nothing that you have depth-wise. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck <laughs> did play some shortstop in, in second base at times over the past couple of years, but it's not something you probably want to do 
on a regular basis. It's only an emergency thing. So yeah, I think that that's the area of need that the the biggest area of need, you know, for the Red Sox going into you know into this camp and then heading towards opening day. Yeah, the roster projection I did today. Dahlbeck makes the team again, redundant with Justin Turner on the roster, and then uh, Nico Goodrum, the minor league uh, signee, non-roster invitee, makes the deal, uh, makes the team, assuming that uh, Mondesi is out. So obviously, plenty of coverage coming uh, from us. It's <laughs> we're sitting here early on Tuesday night after just one day, and I think we have twelve or thirteen stories already up on the site. So be sure to check all those out. Be here for few weeks here in camp uh, chronicling uh, the start of the Red Sox season. So as always, we appreciate you tuning in and reading. <laughs>